Hey guys, welcome back to Let's Talk Movies. I'm Brad. I'm Miguel, guys, and, and this and is Milo. And that is Milo. Yeah, that is Milo. That is Miguel's dog, Milo. Um, tonight, we got an awesome show for you. We are going to finish out our decade series, and we are talking movies of the 1990s. Say bye, Milo. Bye, Milo. <laughs> no, he's not happening. <laughs> Guys, this is going to be a really fun one. We are going to round out our decade series tonight with uh, the 1990s. Um, a lot of really cool things happened. This is this is the decade of our birth. Of our we, birth. Of our yeah. birth. We entered, the, yeah. we entered the world in the 90s. Um, how you doing tonight? Pretty good, man. I'm drinking a lot right now because it's Friday. It is. And... It is Friday, man. I know you guys are obviously listening to this on Monday, probably, or whatever yeah, you're listening probably. to. But yeah. for us, it's Friday, and it's really, really nice. It's been a long week, and uh, I've been looking forward to chilling and doing an episode. Exactly. Same here, guys. It's what great. What this week? Well, we just finished the last episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We need to do an episode on that because I'm not we do. Lie. Well, that shit we, was fire. Yeah, we are gonna do. Um, we're gonna do a spoiler review for that coming pretty soon. Probably gonna drop next Wednesday. I mm-hmm. hope. So we will do a spoiler review for uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But I thought it was great. I, I i absolutely loved it yo um, i i am telling you man i hope i like i hope they either do us another season i saw rumors that it was going to be a movie actually well yeah they've, marvel they confirmed it they confirmed that they're doing captain america 4 with um sam wilson and bucky barnes so that's dope that's um, great the only i i will say it, the thing that struck me is kind of strange is like they were in new york city during all of that and like all this crazy shit was going down there was no spider-man Peter Parker would have been all over that shit. <laughs> I mean, let's be completely honest. He'd yeah. have been all, he'd have been there in like two seconds. So I that thought a- I thought we were gonna see when he said I called in some friends. I thought I don't know, and I know it's their show, and, and yeah. they were probably limited on cash and stuff. But let's hold. I off thought we'd it. get another cameo. Yeah, we, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll hold off. We'll do a complete mm-hmm. um we'll do a complete review of that show. Um, but I also we watched um. I want to believe, which is the second X Files movie, um, that comes before the last two seasons, and we watched the uh, the first episode of season ten. So, um, nice, I, I, nice. I've seen it. Julia's this is Julia's first time, so um, we're almost to the end of the X Files. I'm going to be kind of sad because I've enjoyed the hell out of watching that series again. It's How many it, times it's, is this this will this will be my second time, but I mean it's long. It's a lot. Like it's Damn, it's man. a lot, dude. I mean it's. I mean, it's taken us, we, we've been married a little over 10 months now. And I mean, the first time, the first time I watched it was when they announced the revival in 2016, because my Mm. dad watched it faithfully. I mean, my dad, it was like his favorite show ever, uh, like up until the walking dead. And he was like, he didn't miss it. Like he, (laughs) I think like my parents were talking, you know, like about it and stuff when it first came back on and my dad would like i'd be out with your mom and i'd be like i gotta go the x files is coming on <laughs> and he would be like i gotta go home but uh <laughs> Priority yeah i i mean i i caught up on it it was all on netflix at one point um and i binged it one summer like it was one summer from college it was like the the year between like my 
sophomore and junior year of college mm-hmm. and like I was burnt out and I had nothing to do and I literally like sat on my couch and I watched like half a season a day like I was it was just hours on end I would just sit and watch it until I was caught up and it took me like a month and a half because it's so long there's 11 seasons but each season has like 20 to 24 episodes in it that are each like 45 minutes I mean it's a lot but yeah. it's a it's a dope series man especially with everything going on right now with like the pentagon releasing all that alien shit and mm-hmm. man, i think I'm, i think I'm real quick it. i'm sorry i'm sorry to burst your bubbles but that video that you tagged me on of like the it looked like meteors yeah so it's nothing special it i think i think i saw a report and they also made a video of it red bull did a skydiving thing with um pyrotechnics on their on their Are ankles you serious yeah Red Bull did that, and uh, it freaked a lot of people out. So that's why that's why whenever you send me that, I was like, it ain't nothing. I was gonna text you that, but I was like, I'm waiting. For, I'm waiting to break your heart on the podcast. Probably, yeah, that does <laughs> kind of break my heart. I don't know. I've been on a serious kick since all of that started, though, because like mm-hmm. I'm one of those people. Like I have the I have Mulder's I want to believe poster hanging up here above my closet. Like, yeah, I am. I've always been one of those people that like. I hardcore believe that aliens exist. Like I really do. <laughs> like genuinely. Hey, I do. I do too. And but... I, it just, it's been because it's been in the news so much lately, and because there's been so much talk about it, like resurfacing again. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's been on my mind. So I hear it's you. been kind of fun to watch the X Files during that time. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm sure. Yeah, what did you watch this week? I'm not gonna lie. I saw Godzilla versus Kong for like the sixth time. Yeah, I was yeah. talking. My parents took. Um, my little cousins to go see it and uh they loved it they thought it's, it was awesome. it's a great movie i mean i at first i was kind of like i loved it at first i mean i, I still love it but i i kind of understood why it was kind of lackluster but the more i yeah. saw it the more i started understanding like what that movie was about and i like yeah. it i'm not gonna lie i like this is this is a confession right now I watched that, you know, that scene where Kong and like Godzilla are, final, are like facing off for the final time mm-hmm. and Kong drops the axe. Yeah. Yeah. That moment right there. I'm not going to lie. I went on YouTube and I watched that shit like an, an unhealthy amount of times. Like it's 30 <laughs> seconds, but I watched it an unhealthy <laughs> amount of time. It's such a beautiful scene. Man. It really is. It. Well, cause like you can tell like Godzilla's like ready to go. And I feel like, I feel like if Kong would have roared or like would have like went at it, Godzilla would have been like, all right, let's go. Like he yeah. wanted to get, he like, he was they so totally... angry and he was so done. And you could tell Kong gave it thought, like he looked at it and he was like, this is stupid. And it, like, I feel, you know, we used to joke about this like two years ago when this movie was announced after King of the Monsters, because like, you know, they went through the whole thing about like, you know, Kong ignored Ghidorah, uh, Ghidorah's call. Like when all the other monsters came out for Ghidorah and stuff, Kong was like, leave me alone like yep. that's all he's wanted the entire time and then the people took him and then he had to fight godzilla twice and then they had to beat mecca and i feel like by that point kong was like someone take me home like i <laughs> like i don't even care you know what here you're good you're the king i don't care if you're the king i don't want to be king just i yeah. just want to go home like that's exactly. that's all he wanted <laughs> but um so, i dope. thought i just, i just thought that movie was just absolutely phenomenal it was i need it, to it was everything I, that it needed to be Yes, 100 yeah. percent I think the Monsterverse did a phenomenal job um paying homage to each of those monsters. Because yeah. Kong also has a huge fan base and Godzilla has an enormous fan base. So in order to cater to both of them, 
it was it was honestly i couldn't see it go any other way i'm not gonna yeah. lie and i, I, I do that. i do hope that they continue it i hope we get more monster monsterverse stuff monsterverse <laughs> yeah. i said monster monster um <laughs> But yeah, I, I thought it was really, really nice. It was funny because my mom texted me and she said, you didn't tell me there was a robot Godzilla in it. I was like, I know I didn't. That's Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> I purposely That's didn't so tell you that. so great because like for us, like we were like. We knew. In depth. We were like in yeah. depth with it. We were like, we were trying to follow it. But like for any like newcomer or people that are like not known of the movie. Yeah. They like watch it. I'm sure that was probably like the biggest surprise they ever saw. Just drop almost mic. dropped your mic. I did. I almost dropped my mic. I bumped it. It's fine. But I also, I need to. We need to watch uh, Mortal Kombat. That movie came out. You know. We do. I've heard. I've heard mixed things about it. I haven't heard anything. Like I'm not gonna lie, guys. I'm sorry. I just found out today that it came out because I started seeing memes. Well, some of the Facebook groups that I'm in, like some of the movie groups and stuff like that, um, I, I've seen some people that are like this is like a nine out of 10. It's fantastic. You have to watch it. And then I've seen other people and they're like, shit was dumb. <laughs> like it was stupid. So I don't know. Well, I'll have to see. I was never, a. am I'm, I'm kind of going into this, like with no, like Godzilla versus Kong. I think it was partially like on the verge of being a little disappointing mm-hmm. because in the same way with WandaVision, people who were hardcore about it, like we went in with so many different um, expectations but like of like Mortal Kombat, I was never like a huge Mortal Kombat fan. So mm-hmm. like I'm kind of going into that with zero expectations. So I feel like I might like it a little bit more than like hardcore Mortal Kombat people do. I'm not but necessarily. We'll I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a hardcore Mortal Kombat fan. I mean, I played the games and I, uh, you know, kept track of the lore of Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And I'm interested to see because there's like there's like several different timelines that we can go through that the oh, games yeah. have made. And I don't know. I'm just curious to see which one they go with, because uh, I mean, the Mortal Kombat games, and like, there's a certain timeline. I mean, I vibe with it, but they may end up going with the traditional timeline, you know, like from the arcade versions. And uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how it goes. Definitely. I know the cat. The only thing that scares me is the cast. The cast is just so like they're all new. Yeah, and I don't. So it's like I don't know what their chops are, so I can't. I think that's that. okay. I don't have a problem with it being new actors. Um, it just depends on, you know, depends on what they do. Yeah, I the guy that plays Scorpion, though, oh my god, the perfect casting. Except he's a little old. Mm. But he plays him. I, I think he could play him really well. So I'm I excited to check Mike. I'm, I'm really going to watch it. Is it okay? on HBO Max? I, uh, yeah, I'm going to watch keep, it tonight. I keep hitting my mic. Oh, you're watching it tonight? Hell yeah, I am. Oh. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I might check that out this weekend. I'm gonna take this weekend and I'm gonna chill because it has been it has been a hell of a week. So I'm gonna I'm not doing much this weekend. Yeah, so. boy, may, we got off topic. We hella did. Hard. We did. I may uh I might pre-order Resident Evil Eight this weekend. I've been I've been toying around with that. There you go. That'd be interesting. Also, I'm drinking Blue Moon. I've been on a Blue Moon kick again too. I'm drinking Miller Light. I go so... on like kicks of beer. Like in the summer, I'm a hardcore Corona person. Like I drink Corona all the time. But mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Like I, I go on like a kick where I like I'll be on a Blue Moon kick or I'll be on like a, a, a I don't know. A, you know whatever. I don't know. So yeah. I go on different kicks of beers. But Miller Light is pretty much an all season thing. I it is, and that is, that's that's fair. 
it is an all season thing. Um, let's hop into this thing. <laughs> yeah, we, we we've uh, we've gone off topic enough. Um, so this is the final chapter in decades. Um, and you know, I got to credit Miguel with coming up with this session because um, I've really enjoyed it. I think it's been yeah. really fun and it's been cool to break down these because, you know, the 70s, the 80s and the 90s, they really were crucial decades. And not that any other decade has been less crucial, but I think overall so much changed. And there's so much that we didn't even get a chance to talk about. You know yeah. what I mean? We could do this whole thing again and still like have different things to talk about. Um so, I mean, obviously, we're not going to get through everything. Um, this is just kind of a list of things that we thought was interesting and uh, movies that, you know, had an impact on us or that we love and, you know, things like that. Um, but really, you know, the, the 90s was a time of um, independent filmmaking. There was a whole lot of uh, other independent films, um, studios like Miramax, um, you know, independent films were really on the rise in a way that they hadn't been before. Um, and I think independent films were also starting to get bigger budgets. You know, look at, it's obviously the first example that comes to my head, Halloween from 1978. That thing, it was it, the budget was only like $350,000. I mean, it wasn't a big budget at all. Mm-hmm. And I think when you got into the 90s, you started to get independent films and the budgets were upped. You know, they had more funding. Um, and then the other thing was the CGI. CGI had a big improvement. I mean, look at CGI in the 80s versus CGI in the 90s. Huge improvement. Huge, without a doubt. huge improvement. And I know now we look, you know, like kids today watch 90s movies and they're like, looks stupid. But, you know, for them, that was a huge, huge innovation. Why'd you look at the screen like that? Uh, I was I was moving my uh, my my windows around so I can get my notes. Oh, right. sorry. It, it literally <laughs> it looked wasn't... like you went. No. <laughs> It's like what? I know, no, no, we're good, we're good. I was gonna ask eye. you. I was gonna ask you. Uh, because of the whole independent movie things, why is it that independent movies were more prominent in the '90s than they were in any other decade? I don't know. I, I for me, I think that you know, if we go back to the '70s, you know, this in the '70s, we saw directors really starting to take the helm. Mm-hmm. And directors were really the, the driving force for their production. You know, yes. look at The Godfather. Look at, um, you know, a lot of the independent horror films, Texas Chainsaw, Halloween, The Exorcist. Um, look at some of the Indiana Jones film, the Spielberg films, Jaws. Um, you know, the, the director was in charge. You know, they were in charge of the story. They were in charge of making it come to life. They were the creative control. Mm-hmm. And then you get into the 80s, and the studios regained control. It was about what the studio wanted. The director was just there to make it happen. Um, the studio was really in the hot seat. They were the one making the big decisions. Uh, I think independent films that are not backed by a studio per se, or backed by a smaller studio, um, it allows the director and the, the production crew to have more control. So yeah. I think that was a part of it. I think it was a control thing because, I mean, even today, you know, these big budget pictures, you hear about studio interference all the time. You know, I mean, look at Zack Snyder's Justice League. That was, and I know that, that, that was different circumstances. It was, uh, it was, it was probably the most prominent uh, 
case of studio controlled movies. Right. And, you know, you know because they could have said like, you know, hey, we're going to keep honoring that, you know, he can't be here. He's got, you know, and uh, rightfully so he's got to go take care of his family. Mm-hmm. But we're going to try to stay. We're going to do our best to stay along the lines of what he wanted. And I think Warner Media kind of used that to skew it into what they wanted. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I, I'm not going to get into that, but I, you know, I, I think it was a time where studios were in the eighties, studios were really regaining control, creative control. Yeah. Um, even if it was wild and crazy and they went buku, I think in the nineties, they wanted a little bit more realistic storytelling. And I think that's why we get into disaster films and, um, you know, horror films were a little bit more down to earth. They weren't as, and I say down to earth loosely, there were some insanity horror films that happened that were just completely out in left field. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, uh, there were, I, I think it's a studio control thing. That's the, that's the long answer, but I, I think it came down to studio control. Okay. I gotcha. So, I mean, um, with the nineties, I mean, it was, I don't know. The 90s kind of like it introduced like a independent kind of uh like phase, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, there was a lot of like even with like movies and like like musicians alone, like there's a lot of more like independent run musicians that weren't necessarily backed by studios and were like you know being successful. And I think that's still translating to like the movie industries too, where like there's so many movies that are made independently, but still you know obviously backed by studios, but the they were primarily like independent films right and i thought that was really interesting because you like i like we've talked about in different and over the last uh two decades we said like each each decade had a certain uh theme within mm-hmm. the movies yeah and i thought it was interesting to note that because i think the 90s really propelled in like in a lot of independent films for sure and i think um you know, there's a lot of one-offs in the nineties too, Mm -hmm. you know, and again, that's a contrast from, especially today, because we live in a world right now where it's every, it's, it's sequel city. I mean, we are in like world building, like every movie has to lead to the next movie and the nineties, like, you know, look at Godzilla, look at, um, you know, independence day, even some of the Disney films, uh, you, you, you didn't need sequels. Like you could have a one-off movie where, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and that is it. The end yep. is the end. There doesn't need to be a sequel. Um, and that's, again, that's a contrast, even from the 80s. The 80s was, you know, the, it was it was just crazy. The, there was so much. Um, but I, I think the 90s was the, it was a time of one-offs too. And of course, there were sequels. There were mm-hmm. Star Wars. You know, we got the Star Wars prequels. Um you know, we got the Jurassic Park sequels, the Men in Black sequels, things like that. But uh, yeah, I it, it it was definitely an interesting time, um, and it's a it's a it's a nostalgic time for I think people that are our age because we were born in the '90s. That was our childhood, like that was our childhood era. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I mean, we were little, but it's still uh, it's the fact that it's the fact that like when even like okay, like I was born in 1997, so I guess I can't say i was in the 90s but i experienced a life of like pretty much right the 90s. you you remember that 90s vibe mm-hmm. yeah you know walking in and seeing that purple and green neon carpet and mm-hmm. shit like that when you walk into a blockbuster or a movie theater or stuff like that 
Um, you know, again, we didn't grow up in the 90s, but we were still in the generation where we remember what life in the 90s was like. Yes. So, and it's just kind of a nostalgic thing. And I think that's why um, a lot of 90s movies speak to people that are our age, mm-hmm. because it's, it reminds us of our childhood. Yeah. Um, so let's hop in. Let's check out the highest grossing films of the 1990s. And we will go, we'll start at 10 and we'll go to one. How about that? That's fine. So the 10th highest grossing film of 1990 was Armageddon from 1998. It made just over Bruce Willis movie. It was, it it made just over $553 million at the global box office. Mm -hmm. And it's a great, it's a great disaster movie. It is another, uh, it's, it, it was one of the later films, but you know, and we'll get to this in a minute. It was, it was one of the many disaster movies that were a part of the 1990s. Uh, the 1990s and that that whole decade was um, the kickoff of the disaster movie. You had mm-hmm. Deep Impact, you had Independence Day, you had Twister, you had Armageddon. Um, so many movies about natural disasters or alien invasions or a meteor hitting the earth, things like that, that were like a global disaster event type thing. Um, and Armageddon was a really big part of that. Like you said, it's a huge Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it, it's a good movie. I like it. I actually haven't watched that in a long time. Yeah, you it's... know what's really funny? What is Armageddon and Deep Impact came out in the same year? <laughs> Tell me that's not. I feel like that was probably kind of awkward, and yeah. I didn't realize that until I was like preparing for this, and I saw that I was like, ooh, ooh. I was like I bet those studios were like a meteor movie. Really, you had yeah. a meteor movie out the same year that we're putting out a meteor movie <laughs> i mean i'm sure that's i'm sure that's like a, a a usual case in the movie industries it's like oh if this studio is doing a a meteor movie we need to do a meteor movie yeah it's kind of like were a different it's, they, it's kind of like a pissing contest yeah they weren't carbon much. copies of the same thing but it's just kind of funny that it was like the same concept mm-hmm. in you know in the same year um the ninth highest grossing film was from 1997 men in black men in black yeah i love man i, I still love that movie it's, it's, it's one of my it's one of my it's probably in my top 20 we did our top 10 yeah. i think it's in my top 20 i love the, it. the man in black i i think i think that was during the time where like will smith was like coming like he was up and rising he was up he was. and coming and do you remember the red button do not push the little red button <laughs> i'm talking about the get jiggy with it thing I i'm talking i'm still talking about will smith Ba-da, 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 yeah. with it. Look at us dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think during that time, Will Smith was on the same uh, launch pad as like Eddie Murphy in the eighties. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you he remember was in a lot of movies? In the do you 90s. remember in um? There's an episode of Family Guy where Stewie says, "I miss the 1990." Or he says, "What does he say?" He says something like, I miss the 1990s and that cool, sweet, clean Will Smith rap. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got it, dude. Will Smith's raps were always, his songs are always clean. Yeah. Uh, they're rarely, like, there's rarely like a, a damn or anything like that. And it's just funny, but mm-hmm. it's awesome. Yeah. I think whenever it came down to like Will Smith, um, Cause he he mentioned it because he came back and did a rap song with uh, Joyner Lucas. If you guys don't know Joyner Lucas, check him out. He did a collab with Will when? Smith. Yeah, he did. It was like a I think it was like last year. 
Ooh. And he, met, he mentioned it. He mentioned it in one of his verse. He was like, I came on the come up without using the curse words in any of my raps. He said something like that. Obviously, the bars he made was a lot better than what the fuck I just said. But it, it was it was pretty that's clean. Dope. It was nice. That's dope. He wasn't a bad rapper either. He was no, like, he was it. actually like pretty good. I um, pretty dope. So the eighth highest grossing film, also from 1997, was The Lost World. Mm-hmm. It's probably... Obviously, I think Jurassic Park is the best. Um, I think I'd put Jurassic Park 3 over The Lost World. It was good. I don't know about that. Really? I think I, I like Part World. 3. I think the Lost I would... World is probably one of the best ones. It's good. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think I like Jurassic Park 3 a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, you know. I think, I, I... I think it's probably because of the cgi and just different i guess it was like a different feel from the other it, jurassic Park. it was it was very different like it and i, I think they were going for something different of mm-hmm. course it's based on michael crichton's novel um but uh you know even seeing the t-rex in the city like when the kids laying in bed and he looks out the window and it's like the like you just see like the t-rex's eye like moving and looking at him and stuff like that um it's a good movie, and I, I really like that Jeff Goldblum led that movie because I have always been a huge Jeff Goldblum fan. Mm-hmm. I really like the guy a lot. Um, he's weird, like he's super weird, but he's weird in like all the right ways. Like he's cool, he's just strange, but he lives in that pocket of being strange, and like it, I, I'm down for it. Like it's it's cool. Um, yeah. Side note: If you are a Jeff Goldblum fan and you have Disney Plus check out the world according to jeff goldblum that show is awesome have you seen that i have not yet dude it's on disney plus it's like a it's literally jeff goldblum just doing random stuff like there's an episode on like sneakers there's an episode on denim there's an episode on barbecue like just literally jeff goldblum like diving into stuff that's just completely random there's one on ice cream it's just it's cool and it's so jeff goldblum um it's a dope tv show though um number seven from 1999 was the sixth sense i did not know that walt disney pictures produced the sixth sense i didn't know that because it's kind of a thriller yeah it is a thriller it's like a it's a psychological thriller it's a really good psychological thriller um that would be a good commentary too that'd be a mm. fun one to do i haven't watched that in a long time have you ever That's seen it so weird they yeah i see dead people yeah yeah i see dead people Walt disney produced that what the yeah fuck? it was a disney movie wow okay i don't know, I don't know. it was good me, i guess it was good though um I, I always really enjoyed it i think my parents introduced me to that movie i think i remember watching that with them when i was little that's a good one to introduce kids to scary movies like if they want to watch scary movies but you don't want to jump into like something crazy because like it's freaky but it's almost it it's more psychologically creepy I it's don't not know. i don't know it's kind of scary like you remember the scene where like he's like the kids in the car and then she see he sees like the yeah i guess it kind of bi- the bike the the bike yeah. woman i guess yeah that's like true all bloody i forget up. about yeah, that that's pretty fucked to show a kid. it is it's pretty messed up it's good though i really i've always enjoyed that movie a whole lot and bruce willis's performance is great and the yeah. whole even the twist at the end where he's spoiler alert if you haven't seen the sixth sense bruce willis is dead <laughs> um but yeah the the whole thing was great uh Number six, you made a boo-boo about this one last time. You thought it came out in the 80s. But Forrest Gump came out in 1994. Yeah, I fucked up. 
Um, Forrest Gump was the sixth highest grossing movie of the 90s. It's a great movie, man. I'll be honest right now. It's a phenomenal movie. I'll watch that literally on repeat all day. I could do that. I'm sure, I'm pretty sure I can account one time where like. Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. Like it was uh, on AMC like all day and we just watched it. It was, yeah. 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 It's a, it's a, it's a very good movie. I think it's one of, it's in Tom Hanks top three, probably. Mm-hmm. it really is um, i'm without a doubt it's one of his favorites and you know what's so I... interesting fun fact um so i think this was on the graham norton show they interviewed uh tom hanks about how he got that accent really? and yeah because th- that accent isn't original it it came from the kid that played young forrest gump oh. he had a speech he had a speech like impediment like that and uh Force the directors were like, okay, kid, you gotta get your voice to the point where it matches uh, Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks was like, well, how about this? How about I just copy the kid? So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So Tom Hanks pretty much. Uh, I did not know that. Tom Hanks pretty much spent like you know months with his kid talking to him and all that stuff. And wow. uh, f- funny thing, he said he was like, Tom Hanks asked the uh, the kid, he was like, so what, what is your what does your mom do? And he was like, and then his his the kid was like, my 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 mother makes a a grease, and it was just like at that moment Tom Hanks was like, yeah, I'm copying this because this is great. Which by the way, the kid you know fixed his speech impediment and he became a veteran, so he served in the military. Really, he did. He you know he's doing great, and uh, big props to him, man. So like that's awesome, man. That is awesome. behind the scenes of uh, Forrest Gump and like the actual movie itself. It's just a whole Harley, like, it's a wholehearted movie. It like, is. 100%. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thanks for your service, man. Yeah. Whoever you, I don't know your name or who you are, but thank you. Yeah. Um, All right, Brad. I'm sorry. I got to go. I'll be right back. I knew that was going to happen. Okay. All righty. So fifth on that list from 1994 was Disney's Lion King, which yep. is in top, that is top tier. If you're it's talking Disney tier. movies, man, that is top tier. Yeah, um, The Lion King made seven hundred, a little over seven hundred and sixty-three million dollars at the box office. That's pretty good enough. for an animated movie. Yeah, exactly. During this now, time, too. Yeah, during that time, that that's what I was going to say. For for today's standards, that would probably be a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Milo, all right there. Yeah, you're just barking at our cat, not <laughs> our cat, but our neighborhood <laughs> cat. Um, but I was going to mention something that. You notice how like animation were like starting to become big in the nineties. It was it wasn't big oh, yeah. in the sixties or the seventies. Right. So yeah, and I there was kind of a there was a little bit of an anymore. yeah, there was a little bit of an animation war that was going on. Uh so we'll we'll definitely jump into that um mm-hmm. in a few minutes. But the fourth highest grossing was Independence Day, made eight hundred and seventeenth at million dollars at the box office. Independence Day is a great alien invasion movie. Yeah, and it is also like it's probably a great American movie. It is. It's a great American movie. Um, one, I, one of my favorite Will Smith roles. Um, Jeff Goldblum is great in that movie. Um, who plays the president? What's his name? It's not Bill Paxton. Um, what is his name? I don't know, but I know he did. Bill Pullman. I know he, Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman. That's his name. Yeah, Bill Pullman. Okay. He plays the president. Um, that that whole movie, the way it's shot. Uh, 
Randy Quaid being kind of wild and crazy, which it sucks that Randy Quaid is so crazy now, man. Have you seen Randy Quaid? What's the last? Oh, he has turned into a psycho. He lived off the grid for a while, and I think he got arrested for drugs. Uh, He's a huge Trumpster now, and he's all into like the Q stuff. This guy, what movie did he play? We talked about him before. He was in Christmas Vacation. He was in all the vacation movies. He played Eddie. Oh shit! Okay, I got that's you. Eddie. Yeah, and he's the same guy who's the dad who ends up sacrificing himself at the end of Independence Day. Um, he, what, what does he? Uh, does he create? He yeah, he flies his plane like up into yeah. the bottom of like the mothership UFO. Yeah, um, but he plays a great part in Independence Day. That's why it sucks about him because he used to be a great actor. Like I really liked him, but and you know I like his brother a whole Ooh. lot. It just it just sucks that he went kind of like wild. That's a hot topic to talk about because actually that's actually a good thought because what? if you think about it, there's a lot of actors in the 90s that honestly just fell, fell off, and they fell hard. Yeah, and I mean, he still had, like, he's very active on Twitter, but his he's kind of turned his, like, social media accounts and stuff, and what was that? My, your camera my just, like, it looks like your camera, oh, it looks like your camera fell. No, like, I did The whole thing moved. um but he it's just a shame because now he's so into like you know and again if you're you're into donald trump out of whatever you know we're not going to get into that but he's just so into like weird conspiracy things and like it's just it's strange like it's very he's a very he's an odd bird man he's really this man literally fought aliens what do you expect that's fair (laughs) um the third highest grossing movie of the 90s was Jurassic Park. I'm a little surprised that that wasn't higher up on the list. Um, Jurassic Park is in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. I think it's arguably Steven Spielberg's best movie of all time. It's um, up there. Yeah, it, it, it's up there, man. It's fantastic. Jurassic Park made almost a billion dollars. It made $914 million at the global box office. And that's Has understandable any- because... Huh? Has any of these been? Yep. Uh, hit the number billions? one is number one. Is. Oh, okay. Oh, um, you know, Jurassic Park. We talked a little bit a few minutes ago about CGI and how uh, CGI was it was such a, an improvement in you know what they could do with not only animation but what they could do with animation and um, the computer generated stuff in live action movies. You know, look at the dinosaurs. And I know a lot of the dinosaurs were animatronic, but even look at the animatronics, man those dinosaurs look badass like it's the dinosaurs in jurassic park still hold up today and to be completely honest even you know i know jurassic world is a little bit more um sensational it's bigger it's you know there is a little bit more cgi involved in jurassic world Mm -hmm. but i think honestly i kind of like the design of some of the monsters more in jurassic park the monsters the dinosaurs i think i like them more in jurassic park than i do in jurassic world it has Mm -hmm. more of a something about it i think i think when you do cgi you can't capture like that animalistic movement and things like that like animatronics can the way i don't know is cg cgi has to play well into the environment that's in it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because like you like there's there's moments you can tell like in some movies like you can tell the cgi is just like just there Right. And you can tell. But when it's blended well together with the environment around it and like actual like real life stuff, that's when it it secures the and, bag. And that's a that's actually a very good point because you know, I mean, even Jurassic Park being in that jungle tropical setting, 
Mm-hmm. You get that. You get the greenery around it. You know, a lot of times, even when you see the T-Rex, the backdrop is the forest or all of the metal wiring from where he rips through, you know, um, where he rips through like the cage when he first steps out with the the vehicles on the, the tour and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a really good point. Number two, the second, we're in the nitty gritty now, the highest grow or the second highest grossing film of this decade was The Phantom Menace. I bet that was a disappointment. I bet you people <laughs> flocked to the movie theater to go see it. And then they were like. I mean, the last the last Star Wars movie, it was like, I don't know. As we say. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 20 years, 20 or something years. Had it been that long? Yeah, just about. It had been that long, hadn't it? Because they yeah. were all, all three of the original were 70s movies, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Because that came out in what, 1999? 19... <laughs> Yeah, it came out in 99. Yeah, so, I mean, like, yeah. those movies, I mean, it was a big spectacle. I'm pretty sure it was, it's the same as people were expecting with The Force Awakens mm. now, because, I mean, it's Except been Except I so actually long. enjoyed The Force Awakens. Okay, yeah, that's fine. If I don't you, know, if man. You were... I, I can't do the prequels. I've tried. The way I see it, you gotta... You gotta... You, gotta, you either like it or you don't like it. There's no in-betweens. That's, I could say that for star wars in general that's fair yeah that's fair now number one highest grossing you asked if any of them had had hit that one billion benchmark mm-hmm. this one did came out in 1997 starring kate winslet and leonardo dicaprio titanic we can't we can't be a movie podcast without talking about the titanic obviously we can't man but and it's funny because like ever since I was a kid, I've had this, like I have a couple of, um, I have a, a novel called A Night to Remember and it's like, it's supposed to be like one of the most accurate retellings of the Titanic sinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a, uh, who is the artist? Can't remember his name. I've got a book of um, artist drawings of the Titanic. Like I was always like really weirdly like fascinated with the Titanic. I think mm-hmm. it just always like interested me as a kid. Um, I like the movie. Uh, it's it's a little long and it's a little drawn out for me. Like I, it's it, such a slow burn. It is That's a slow burn, cool. and it's one of those movies where like it, it's kind of a weird paradox thing because you dread the ending because like you know how sad it is and like you know that it was a true story and you know how sad the ending is but at the same time when you're watching the beginning of the movie you're like oh my god i just want to get to the end you know what i mean so it's like a weird like you kind of fight with yourself but i you know that movie when titanic came out and i remember my parents even telling me this you know that that took like almost every academy award of the night what titanic when titanic came out yeah it took almost every single academy award at the oscars that year (laughs) like it literally it crushed i think it's got the record for the most academy awards like one for a single film i think it was i remember hearing about that there was a movie that came out recently that was close to taking it Mm. it was that it was uh was that the la la land moon knight fiasco or not i think so um moonlight 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 Moonlight. yeah yeah. not moon knight i'm I'm thinking mcu moon knight um yeah yeah that that it might have been moonlight I'm not sure. But, I, I didn't I mean, see Moonlight, but 
I saw La La Land, and I'm not gonna lie. I loved La La Land. It, I thought it, it was deserved. Great. It definitely should have gotten that Oscar. I'm not gonna lie. It did. And again, I haven't seen Moonlight, so I'm not gonna say it deserved it or it didn't. I think mm-hmm. La La Land was a great film. I'm sure Moonlight was, um, and that was tragic. Let's be real. That was. I I, re- I remember watching that in real time like probably many people at the Oscars were, what was that, 2017, 2016, 17? And when he was like, well, because the one... Fucking the the, the announcer. I don't know what it was. I don't remember how it went. They gave him... So what happened was they gave whoever, I I forget who it was who was even um, announcing it, but they gave him, because of course... Emma Stone won Best Actress that year for La La Land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They gave him like a duplicate copy of Emma Stone's paper. So when he opened it up, it said Emma Stone, La La Land. And he like, he even looked at whoever that the older lady was with him and like, like, it, like this is the wrong sheet. Like, I don't think this is right. And then she was like, give it to me, whatever. And she was like, la la land. And then they all came up or whatever. And, you know, they started giving their speeches or whatever. And you can kind of see like people in the background starting to run around like, oh, shit, 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 shit. Like they know somebody's going to get fired. And uh, and let's make no mistake. Somebody got fired that day. Like, let's be real. The director, the director was the one who who uh, announced the correction of right. And he said, well, if you let you guys know, man, uh, we did not win it. Moonlight did. So, guys come up come up yeah and I, well we were just like, and props to him for doing that because one of the other producers for la la land he was giving his acceptance speech and he was like yeah and i just want to thank we lost by the way and he just and and the director was like no 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 like get off the st- like stop like moonlight one and then he showed them the thing so i don't know i thought that was really it, it props to him for doing that man yeah um, have you seen have you seen really the audience cool. reactions to those those yeah. are hilarious yeah well all, even, them, all of them are like this my, my reaction though i mean it's like the biggest award show ever you know like of the year i mean and uh just i I remember watching that on the couch like like that did not just happen yeah but it's just it's kind of crazy um so let's go here uh we've talked about the highest grossing films of the 90s the 90s really was the birth of the disaster film of the modern day disaster film Mm -hmm. and you know it's kind of funny because even looking back and i'm sure there are examples that we're not thinking of but even looking back there weren't very many disaster movies prior to this at least not in the same way that they did it in Mm -hmm. the 90s um you know look at we've already talked about um armageddon and independence day and deep impact um you know you had outbreak i haven't seen outbreak in a really long time dustin hoffman morgan freeman kevin spacey cuba gooding jr um that's a that's a fantastic movie that'd be i need to rewatch that those those are just terrible apex actors in that time have you you seen outbreak i have not do you know what it is but just it's about an outbreak about a well it it it's it's rabies it's like a yeah it's a pandemic but it, it, i mean it's like covid but it's rabies mm-hmm. like that that's crazy like it is it's like wild like cuckoo for cocoa puffs wild um and it's like a it's a mass outbreak of rabies um and it's like the government trying to you know curb that 
which you know rabies rabies is crazy because rabies it kind of makes you like go insane like violent crazy you know that right yeah yeah it, I it's, knew that. It, yeah it's kind of crazy i actually fun fact i had to get rabies shots when i was a kid didn't we all no when we, no, no 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 when we were living in florida no you don't have to get rabies shots when i was living in florida mm-hmm. i got bit by a dog and uh not even really bit, but it, it 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 grazed me. So I had to go. I had to get the rabies shot and boosters for a couple of weeks. So that was fun. Dang, that's wild. I remember I got bit by a dog, but I don't think I got a rabies shot. Yeah, we they went gave me to. A, uh, they gave me some like weird medicine stuff, and that was it. Yeah, we went to a. Um, uh, we we went to like an instant care center where Amber was working, and they uh they gave me the shots, but i didn't get rabies so that's good that's it was good just, it was just, rabbit. Just, no i did not in the mouth um, <laughs> but yeah the, the 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 modern day disaster movie was born in the 90s um mm-hmm. even apollo 13 obviously apollo 13 another a-list cast a-list mm-hmm. cast tom hanks um who else was in that movie? bill paxton uh, bill paxton was in that movie R. kevin R. bacon yeah. was in that movie um yeah just so many great a-list actors that were a part of that um and and that's another one it's really emotional it's really deep uh and and, you know i I think the fact that that was a true story made that movie even more emotional Mm -hmm. uh because it was i forgot what which spacecraft it was the was it it apollo 13 no i'm talking about the the other one the one that blew up the challenger yeah, Challenger. Yeah. When that, that was different. That, that was Apollo. a different. Yeah, but what? Whenever Challenger blew up in the Apollo thirteen mishap, like space was such a scary thing to go to now. Right. Yeah. And uh, I guess the the movie the movie industry was like, this is a perfect movie to make. Yeah. Well, and, and I, think I think in a way that pays homage to the people to the astronauts that were a part of that too. You know? Yeah. Because so. that story alone is insane without a movie oh yeah so it it was definitely a great flick um probably my favorite uh disaster movie of the 90s is twister with bill paxton yeah i keep i swear twister actually scared me as a kid because you know i used to like i used to be really scared of just like storms in general yeah so whenever i saw twister i just like it was just insane like the amount of chaos that comes from a tornado and and how they were able to uh what's it called portray that yeah portray it or depict you know, like, it yeah yeah give it it's like a cinema feel you know like mm-hmm. the cinema way of it yeah it, it was just really scary well and you know i and you know looking back on that film some some of the cgi is really good is really nice some mm-hmm. of it looks a little bit dated mm-hmm. but i'll tell you what twister did really well is it built up you know because you know but before especially being in kentucky you know we see this all the time um before a thunderstorm like a real bad spring thunderstorm you know uh, especially if the sirens are going off and stuff like that it's eerie there's an eeriness and an, uh, an ominous vibe outside everything is calm everything is like it's gray and it's got a weird haze to it Mm -hmm. um and Twister did a really good job. Whoever wrote that script, whoever did the cinematography and was, the set design, they really they lived in that area. That, they lived in Tornado Valley. Yes, they they captured that ominous, 
feeling and it made you feel that because you know every time that there's a twister you know there's excitement there's the excitement of like holy shit these people are going to go drive into it um mm -hmm. but at the same time it, it really built up that ominous atmosphere and i think that's why you know even i've visited, revisited that movie numerous times i mean if it's on tv i'll watch it just because i really enjoy it like i genuinely enjoy that movie mm -hmm. um and of course it, we got we it honestly oh sorry i was gonna say like it's honestly like it's also paying homage to the people that actually do that as a profession yes because i mean Props without, them, man. Props without those them. people like we wouldn't understand how tornadoes act and how they change directions yep. and all that like those people who like Honestly, I'm sure it's people that have like sacrificed their lives for to chase oh, for these sure. tornadoes. For sure. And if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't understand everything we know about weather, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing, like that whether it's on the ground or if it's in flight, because you know there's professions in the aviation industries where there's people that literally fly into hurricanes just to oh, get yeah. information. Like that shit is scary as hell. If you're it's a pilot, you are taught to stay a, the fuck away from a storm. That's life and, and death. These people man. go straight in. Yeah. What what is it called? Dolly? No, not Dolly. Um, Darla? Doppler? No. no. You're talking about Doppler radar? No. What's the the machine? The in Twister, the things that they build, they build them out of Coke cans and stuff. At oh. one point, when it gets destroyed, I don't I don't remember. The what name. is it called? What is it called? That's gonna bug me. <laughs> Come on, man! You watch. I gotta I gotta like... look it up. That's gonna bug me. I know I've watched it. It's been a it's been a little while since I watched it. Um. Mm -hmm uh dorothy that's what it is dorothy. dorothy okay dorothy they got to deploy dorothy and all of the little like things like fly up inside of it and they collect the data um and i always thought the end of that movie is super far-fetched when helen hunt and bill paxton tie themselves to the the pipes and the house like evaporates around them when they're in the f5 mm -hmm. like y'all would be injured like that would be you'd be dead like yeah that yeah. house that that house perfectly like went around them and then up but uh that it's a fun movie man and of course we have the late philip seymour hoffman in that movie mm -hmm. he plays dusty food <laughs> food that's all i think when i think of philip seymour hoffman i picture dusty going food <laughs> Or when he's telling when he's telling the story about Bill Paxton, like the younger version of him, when um when they were out chasing the storm and he stuck his ass out the window. Yeah, that it's just he he plays. It's like one of it's probably my favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman role. It's great. Really? Yeah, I love that. It's really really great, man. He was a fantastic actor. It's a shame he's no longer with us. Yeah, I think uh, when did when did he die? He passed. I think it was in the middle of the hunger games yeah that's what i was thinking of because mm -hmm. he was such a prominent role in that movie too so it was kind of hard for them to move forward with him. yeah they wow. i think they kind of had to just write him out yeah but that's a shame so you know even look at dante's peak with pierce brosnan and um what's her name from terminator linda hamilton that's a great volcano movie have you ever seen dante's peak mm -mm. it's about um she's a volcologist is that the proper way to sure. say it somebody who studies volcanoes i don't know um volcanologist something like that um but there, there's a volcano that like sprouts up in this town and it's you know it's it's, it's a volcano a russian movie it's really cool um so I, I had a question for you why do you think let me see 
why do you think disaster movies really sprouted sprouted in the 90s like what what was it that led to their inception then like why then why didn't they come earlier or later you know what was it about the 90s i have my thoughts i just i wanted to get yours and see what you thought about that this is i'm gonna spitballing here so my guess is is that so i think it was during the 80s uh news stations were uh you know you know how news stations were they were pretty bland and all that stuff but then they started becoming more uh more like entertainment like there was live feed uh a lot more uh focus on hard gut-wrenching news to yeah. like grab the attention so people will watch the news that's fair and one of the things they did to do to capture the audience was uh present these natural disasters that are happening and then throughout the 80s and then throughout the 90s um the idea of you know recording these uh broadcasting these natural disasters are happening i mean it's catching the views of these uh, news stations and they're getting jacked up views so like the i Mm. think the audience i think uh news stations caught on to it but then the movie industry caught on to it thinking hey natural disasters i mean they're emotional like the news stations are getting a lot of views so why don't we just start making up all these different types of disaster movies and i think i think that's probably what spread it was the idea of news stations like focusing on more gut gut wrenching uh news uh ideas and uh i'm having a tough time describe it but you know what i mean right i i know exactly what i mean and that's actually i didn't even think about it that way that's a really good thought Mm -hmm. um in my mind you know, I, I think about the 90s, we were right before, um, it, it was the beginning of the talk about end of days level things. Um, look at Y2K. They thought yeah. Y2K, they thought when the year 2000 rolled around, all the computers would crash and it would be like a Skynet situation and everything mm-hmm. would fail. The stock market would crash. It would just be an endless spree of every society would fall apart. Um, and then even further than that, look at 2012. You know, they thought, well, hell, even if we survive Y2K, 2012 is going to be right around the corner and the world is going to end in 2012. It, it, it's plot, now a comedy you know, movie. <laughs> spoiler alert, it did not end in 2012. Yeah. Now, 2020 gave it a hell of a run for its money, but whatever. It did. Um, I remember I remember when, like, the talks of 2012 was coming. Yeah. And I was, I was thinking in my head, I was like, am I really going to leave this earth? as a fucking sophomore junior in high school i was like i was like are you serious like this is all i get yeah and then obviously that didn't happen and it's all about nostradamus side yeah. note did you see there is a is there another end of days theory out there? okay i i read it i i'm 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 spitballing here because i'll have to go back and actually reread it there was a I forgot what where I even saw this, but there's there's an old Nostradamus prediction that, and I think it's within the next five years on the Mayan calendar. There is it's talking about a plague of violence and whatever. They're saying it's that the zombie apocalypse would happen in the next five years. Have at it. 
I can survive a zombie apocalypse. You're like, I go can't, for it. I can't survive a fucking tsunami and earthquake. I can't survive that shit. I could probably survive a zombie so you, apocalypse. So you'd prefer a zombie apocalypse as your end of days thing? If you had sure. to pick a, if you had to pick a way to go out, you'd pick the zombie apocalypse. If I had to pick, yeah. Because like that's like it, honestly, honestly it's, like, it's, it's probably your at, least, best at least I would survival. go down. Yeah, at least I would go down with a fighting chance. What the fuck am I gonna do with a tsunami? You see, you saw how 2012 happened. Whenever like the whole tsunami was coming, you all you yeah. saw was people like. I didn't like that took movie. It away. I, I will say it's I pretty, didn't like. It's pretty hard to watch. To it's be a honest. little. It, it's, it's like it's pretty much like saying like, this is like if the world's gonna end, you're gonna watch it and see how it truly ends and see how helpless you are. Yeah, you know what I mean. It was and it kind too... of focused on the elitists of the world. You know what I mean? I don't, yeah, there was there was something about it, um, and even knowing that Nick Cage movie, knowing there was just something about both of those films. I, I never really dug them for whatever reason. I don't know if I can even really put my finger on it, but mm-hmm. um, and it's not even against John Cusack. I like him, um, but I just there, there's just something about uh, there was something about 2012 that I just didn't. It, it didn't make any sense to me. I was like, I don't know, whatever. I think it was uh, because it explores the uh, the idea of when the when end comes, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, pretty much. It's like because you because like us as human beings, like we are born to like survive. Like that's our main purpose. Like our our main purpose in life is just to survive. So like, whenever you see something like that, it turns you off because it's like it's basically saying like there's no getting away from it like mm-hmm. it's going to be the end and it and it kind of it kind of messes with your head it's like no because i want to survive yeah. i want to survive so i i get you because when i see those movies too i keep thinking like jesus christ like if that happens there's nothing we can do there's absolutely right. nothing so well that's and, what I keep thinking and you know even if you look at every single one of these disaster movies whether it's aliens whether it's um natural disasters whether it's tornadoes whether it's volcanoes whatever the case may be it's always something that's like nearly impossible for your protagonist to come through and somehow i feel like they always find like a crazy wild i mean like kind of off the wall out in left field way of surviving it and i it's know ca- it's, it's a, called, i know it's a it's movie called an ex machima to. yeah that's what, what it's called ex machima that's what it's called it's like what is that i've never heard that term before let me let me get you let me get you de- are you making up definition. words are you making up words to me no i'm dead me. serious this is this is what it means it's uh are you it's, me? it's a person a person or a thing <laughs> that appears or is introduced into a situation suddenly and unexpectedly and provides an artificial or un or contrived solution to an apparently in, okay impossible situation yeah i feel that it's pretty much that way it's like uh how can I best describe it? It's like an avatar whenever, you know, you know, the movie where like, they're like at the end of the ropes, they're about to be killed off. But then, you know, the spirit said, hey, we're going to help you. That's an ex-, ex machima. I got you. I got you. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much what it means. Yeah. Um, let's talk about horror films a little bit horror films in the 90s because i know you, you didn't know, like it then we we it, well it's not even that i didn't like it um but you know the 80s we were in this horror craze we were in this that is the third time tonight i've hit my microphone um we in the 80s we were in this horror craze of it was just 
it was wild and crazy and it never ended. It was just like more and more and more and more and more. Um, and the nineties instead of, you know, the, the thing about the eighties and your big franchises, Halloween, really not even as much Halloween. There were only four Halloween movies in the eighties. There were eight Friday, the 13th movies in the eighties. There were five or six in the 80s of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, which I'm wearing my Nightmare t-shirt. You know, the, the, the big franchises had sequels then, but there were also a lot of original films in the 80s too. The 90s, we were in sequel hell. I mean, it was just, I, I mean, I would say uh, uh, over half definitely of the, of the films made in, of the horror films made in the 90s were sequels to a proven IP. Um, Child's Play 2 and 3, Alien 3. Um, you had two Czech Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequels that were both terrible. Um, you know, you had uh, you had Jason Goes to Hell, which is arguably the worst Friday the 13th movie. Um, you know, it just, uh, it, it, it just got wild. And that was the point. You know, the sequels in the 80s were good. They were silly. Yeah. They were crazy, but they were still fun. They were good. They 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 held merit. When we got to the '90s, that was when the sequels were so far out in left field that it was kind of like, I, it was like what what like, else what do you come up with? Yeah, like where do you like where do you go? Like the stories they were telling were so wild and so crazy that it was kind of like. I don't know how you even continue this. Like, like you're, you're just like, you're just snorting Coke at this point, like, and being like, right, just write it, just do it, just write it. You know what I mean? It, it, it yeah. was kind of wild. Um, and, you know, there were a couple of remakes. You had Tom Savini's remake of Night of the Living Dead. Um, that was a really nice remake that, and it gets a lot of hate. I don't think it should get a lot of hate. I actually just watched that um, probably about a month and a half ago or so mm -hmm. uh, it, for the first time. And I, I liked it. I thought it was a good remake. It stayed very true to the original. Um, it was quite literally just an updated version of George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Um, then Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which was really dope. Uh, do you know what he did with New Nightmare? No, what did he do? So Wes Craven, who directed the original Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, he never really got his due with the Nightmare sequels. Mm -hmm. uh, New Line Cinema, there, there, there's a lot that goes on. If, you all, if you're a horror fan, um, check out Never Sleep Again. That's the Nightmare on Elm Street documentary. It is easily probably, and I don't mean movie documentary, the way it's laid out and the way it's set up and the way it's presented, it's probably one of the best documentaries, if not the best documentary I've watched of all time. It's really, really good. Um, but, you know, Wes Craven never really got his due. And in 1994, he decided to kind of reimagine it. So basically, mm. it's the most meta thing you could ever come up with. Basically, you know, it, it's all of the actors playing themselves. So it's like they filmed the movie. Heather Langenkamp, who played Nancy, has a husband and a kid. And Wes Craven is playing himself. And he's trying to write a new script to write a new sequel to A Nightmare on Elm Street. And Freddy comes in real life and starts killing the actors who were in A Nightmare on Elm Street. 
Really? It's cool. That's I really actually... I, it's 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 just meta, man. It's so 90s. <laughs> so meta. It's so 90s. People say Scream is meta, and yes, Scream is very meta. Scream kind of made fun of all of the other um the the horror movies of that time. Yeah. But God, Wes Craven's new nightmare is just like, I mean, it's literally all of the actors playing themselves. And like Robert England had like double duty because Robert England was playing himself and he was also playing Freddie coming out in real life, like in the real world. And, you know, like Wes Craven's like, you know, if we're going to stop him, I have to finish writing the script and you're going to have to play Nancy again. And it's just like, what? It's like they're it was fake but it's also real and then they're having to play the fake characters again to save their real character like it's just it's wild but it's crazy i need to check that out because i remember yeah. the i remember seeing the poster of this so i know yeah. i've seen it before and freddie looks dope in that movie like it's kind of a redesign of him um mm -hmm. but it's it's really cool you would dig it it's yeah i think you would like it just because of how meta it actually is um and just kind of how like off the wall crazy it is um i know freddy can be off the wall so that's why freddy oh probably, yeah out of out of all the horrors i would say freddy's like on my top list because he's just a really like it, it is off the wall guy. and and it, it kind of the other thing is it, it removed us from mtv freddy because in the actual nightmare sequels you kind of end up rooting for freddy because he's so like he was scary in the original one even in part two he was kind of funny and part two was what it was um, mm -hmm. I really like Freddy's Revenge, but part three on, we get MTV Freddy, and he's so fucking funny. Like, he's so funny in every, it's just, he's hilarious. Um, like, the things he says and the way he acts, like, it's just, he, he like, it's like comedy. It's like horror comedy because he's so funny. Um and I think, you know, obviously that was never Wes Craven's original intent, which is why when he did New Nightmare, he reimagined Freddy and he gave him a new look and he, you know, he made him into more of like a demonic type thing. So it's pretty cool. Um, but you also had a couple of original ones. You had Scream, which we just talked about. Um, I know what you did last summer, which is that that's a really great movie. Have you ever seen that? I've seen it. Yeah, um, it's really it's really unique to be honest. It was like it is unique. It's very unique. Hidden killer ish kind of way. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, and it's like, like a horror version of Who Done It. Yeah, like a Knives Out kind of thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. which Scream is kind of like that too. Um, but the, I, even the two of them are a little bit different. Uh, Candyman with Tony Todd. I haven't watched that in a really long time. And then I like think probably, probably the most important new standalone original horror film of the 90s is silence of the lambs it's crazy to think that's like a horror movie because it's kind of like a thriller if you think about it yeah and it is a like a thriller um i'd still put it in horror there's actually a really cool collector's edition that i want of that we actually watched that not too long ago that's one of julia's favorite movies ever she loves the silence of the lambs which is kind of funny because it's it doesn't seem like something that she'd be into but she absolutely loves it um Clarice. 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 Did she like that? <laughs> Do you like that? Does she like that new series that came out? Has she checked it out? Uh, no, I it honestly it didn't interest me. I I 
I watched the trailer and I was like, ooh, or when I heard it was coming out, I was like, ooh, that could be really interesting. And then I saw the trailer and I was like, yeah, mm. it's fine. So, Again, like Science of the Lambs is like a one-off thing, actually. Well, there, it's a franchise and it's, it's a cool a franchise. franchise. Like, yeah. I really, it, it works as a franchise, mm-hmm. um, but that original movie, man, it's so great. It puts the lotion on the skin. Those are it like puts real the lotion clips, on right? the they? skin. That's a real serious. It clip. puts Buffalo the. Lo- <laughs> um, I don't even know. That's it was scary. cool though. That's just scary. It I is scary. Know. He's a he's a terrifying villain. Yeah, he is a terrifying villain. Um, did Seven come out in the nineties? When did Seven come out? Let's see. I don't know. When did Seven come out? I'm gonna look that up. I think they came out in the thousand ninety five. Holy fuck! Really? Wow, dude, I completely missed that. Seven. That's another one, man. Seven is up there with the Silence of the Lambs. Seven is a fucked up movie. It really is. Kevin Spacey, is which by the way, fuck Kevin Spacey, but Kevin yeah. Spacey did a good job as psychotic. It, I, I've always been so disappointed about Kevin Spacey, man, because he's he, such he's a such a talented actor. Yeah. He was so talented. And and I know there's a lot of people like who try to who try to remove the art from the artist. Um but look, no, I'm no, not no, 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 no. Listen, I, listen. I'm not this, one of those this is, people. This is what this is one thing that really threw me off with Kevin Spacey. So when he when he was when he was uh, accused of doing those stuff, and then I guess something happened. I think I think the the victim died somehow. I don't remember. Or like he passed away. So uh, so at that point he was acquitted, or I guess. There was no case to be built off of, I think. And uh, when he was like, you know, acquitted, I think, he posted a video of him playing uh, whoever he is in House of Cards. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yes, I, I forgot do. what his name was. The senator. Yeah, the senator. And he posts a video, him of Kevin Spacey playing as that senator, talking to the audience, us. Like you know how you know how he like breaks the fourth the fourth wall, mm-hmm. and he talks to the audience. He does that, and it's in like a really creepy manner, saying like "I'm back, guys." And that's like, why would you do that? Why would you yeah. do that kind of thing after you just got off of all of those charges? It's like, yeah, Kevin, you're a weird man. Yeah, I. I I'm I'm glad he's not really into the movie industry still because I'm not gonna lie, he was he's a weird man. Yeah, I think he's been blacklisted. I believe. I hope so. Let me talk to you about one person that I think, in the '90s, if not if I'm not mistaken, that was phenomenal. In the '90s, but then has since been gotten blacklisted. You know what I'm thinking of? No. He was in the Mummy. He played Tarzan. Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. He's been blacklisted. He was blacklisted. Yeah. Why? I don't. I don't know if I knew this. And let me tell you, this is this will get off topic, but this is this is another instance of the movie industries as abuse of power. I uh, I know Brendan nothing Fraser? about this. You need to enlighten me. So again, guys, in the comments, if I'm wrong in any part, please correct me. But I'm going off of what I've you know read and seen. Brendan Fraser again. He was a great actor in the '90s and in the in the mid thousands. You know, with, with Tarzan, The Mummy Returns, and all these other ones, and he was he was a rising star. He could have been like 
as good as Brad Pitt and all of that. He could have been in the same caliber, but he is a victim of a sex of sexual assault. Really? I, I think a studio producer or someone of high power in the studio. He himself is a victim. He himself is a victim. So why is he blacklisted? Because when he denied it, when he denied it and was and told him to say away, he the the studio producer blacklisted him. Gave him no movies. Gave him nothing. Said all this stuff about him to to these different studios, and they never hired him again. And Hmm. obviously, there were some things that happened in his life too that messed him up i think some health issues as well but that was one of the main things that's happened like he was a victim of of uh sexual assault or sexual misconduct i i think is the mm. right way to say it by by powerful people in the movie industries it's, i know it goes nothing back about to the whole that. thing goes wow. back to the whole thing of like harvey weinstein and all that stuff like these like again these movie studios they have to take accountability for these people that have so much power to these actors that just want to act they want to live their dreams of being actors but then these studios and these producers they take full advantage of these people and if mm-hmm. they don't play along guess what they're out of the cinema they're out of the film industry and brandon fraser is one of those guys i did not know it's, that i it's, had no idea about that it's absolutely it's a sad story about brandon fraser and wow he tried to come back because you remember he did a he did journey to the center of the earth he did, and he was he did he did a, he did pretty it good was, job. That, yeah, that that was yeah. decent. Yeah, but again, what I mean, a shame. Yep, what a shame. Look more into it. I'm I'm curious. I, to see, I will. See what you I'm think gonna have it. to. I'm gonna have yeah. to take a deep dive into that because I hadn't. I I don't know if I've been living under a rock probably, but I had no idea that any of that happened. Yeah. When did that go down? I would say like late '90s, maybe early thousands. It was during that time. Like he, it was like, hmm. it was like after the Mummy, if I'm not mistaken. Or, so prob- probably or, like mid 2000s or so it could have been it, i'm not sure i know it happened around the time of the mummy because that's whenever people were like acknowledging like he is a a-list actor because he was an a-list actor back then but then he fell because of gotcha that situation and it's terrible it's a yeah, terrible that's a shame. thing that's a and shame. i just thought i should mention that because he's one of those uh 90s actors that i thought was phenomenal during that decade but mm-hmm. you again, you wonder what happened. What happens to these incredible actors during the '90s? And I, we, we, I got, we got on the topic because of Kevin Spacey. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, like in the right. '90s, there's a lot of great actors, and for some reason, at some point throughout the decade, they fell off. Something happened. Mm-hmm. But in for Brendan Fraser's case, that's it's it's a sad story when you think it, about that, it. Yeah, that really yeah. is. That that's that's really a shame. Um, I don't mean to deputy the mood. I just want no, to bring it, that up because it, it's it's, fine. A, it's an important thing about the '90s because that's whenever those types of situations were happening a lot. Well, and you know that that's actually kind of a a, a nice transition because um, you know, and, and I, I'm I'm moving away from things that happen with actors specifically, but you know Hollywood can be a very cutthroat, clicky, cutthroat um the arts in general the arts industry yeah and yeah. really even look at music look at visual art any anything mm-hmm. film anything like that it's cutthroat it's competitive it is it is dog eat dog um and w- w- you know i, I want to switch to the disney renaissance a little bit because there was a little bit of tension there in the in the late 80s early 90s um 
which many of you are probably thinking it's Disney. What are you talking about? I know. Um, so he, I, I actually found this and I, I find it very, very interesting. So obviously Walt Disney died prior to the opening of Walt Disney World. His brother Roy took it over. Um, when Roy died, uh, you know, it fell into the hands of other people, um, new CEOs, new things like that. Uh, and in 1981, you know, obviously Disney's animation department was, I, they were probably the leading animation department um, of, of any movie studio in existence at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, in 1981, a man named Don Pluth, he left Disney's animation department and he took 11 animators with him. So that rounded out to roughly 17% of Walt Disney Pictures animation department gone. Just they left, they ditched it, they, they were like goodbye. So at the time, Disney was in the middle of, uh, of, of producing The Fox and the Hound, mm-hmm. um, which that is a severely underrated Disney film. I love The Fox and the Hound. I think it's great. Uh, so they were in the middle of producing and creating The Fox and the Hound. And that project was actually put on a delay because those, those artists left, those animators just ditched and they went with Don Booth or um, Pluth, Bluth, Bluth. They went with him and he started uh, Don Bluth Productions. Mm-hmm. Now, when he started Don Bluth Productions, you know, you got to think he took 11 of Disney's top animators with him to go start a new company. So Disney was scrambling a little bit to make ends meet to and not financially to make ends meet to to finish the projects they had to you know to for the people that they had they were down 11 that was 17 percent of their animation department gone so there was a little bit of a rivalry in the 90s uh or just prior to the 90s throughout the late mid to late 80s and into the early 90s um between uh don blues productions and disney um, at the time, it was um, it was Disney Animation Studios. Well, part of that rivalry was that, and and we've talked about this before, even with the Avengers, even with the MCU, and the difference between DC and and uh, what Disney's doing with with Marvel. Uh, part of the thing was that Don Bluth Productions they were willing to do darker animation and stories that were a little bit more mature than Disney was doing. And that kind of gave them a little bit of a leg up. I don't know if people liked that more. Um, I, I don't know if it appealed to a different audience, uh, but there was obviously a, it didn't was a, like succeed. Right. And in the long run, see. it didn't succeed. Um, but for a while there, there was some serious, serious, uh, you know, some, some rivalry there. I think Disney released The Fox and the Hound finally after its delay. It wasn't very successful. Um, And then you had, what was it? The Black Cauldron. They released that and that still kind of wasn't all that successful. Um, They, they, I think they would be, they'd be the equivalent of what a box office flop would be. They flopped Mm -hmm. when they came out. Now you hit the nineties. Well, prior to the nineties, let me back up. Roy E. Disney who is Roy, 
Roy Sr.'s son. So Walt Disney's nephew. He had a he had left the company. He didn't really want anything to do with it anymore. He rejoined Disney and he said, let me take control of the animation department. Like, let me take control. I have new ideas. I want to get this thing back on track. And he kind of saved Disney's animation department. Now, yeah, look at all he's made in the nineties. That yeah. was a Disney Renaissance. And, and, you know, this Disney Renaissance era that we're getting ready to talk about, you know, they, they were trying to improve the circumstances. Um, and, and Roy had a big part in that. He returned to Walt's original style. <laughs> I can't talk tonight. Uh, he returned to Walt's original style of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they, they found a new formula and that new formula worked for them. And I think, I, I think that is the key. That's the beginning of the, Dis- of this Disney Renaissance era is that, um, you know, it, it worked. It, it worked financially. It worked critically. People liked it. And the other interesting thing is that Disney started to pull writers and pull consultants on these stories and what they were going to do for these animated films from mm-hmm. different places around the world. Um, you know, they, they were pulling from outside sources. They were pulling artists and writers from overseas. They were pulling artists and writers from different studios and different places around the country instead of just working with their set of writers that they had. And I'm sure it was a great group of people. But I think when, you, when you're a multi-million dollar company like Disney is and you're creating so many different projects, you have to pull from different people. And I think that's why Disney and Pixar have been so successful, especially in the last few years with things like Soul and Coco. Um, even look at films like WALL-E and like, you know, from when, you know, all of these Renaissance films from when we were kids, mm-hmm. they started doing something different. Like Disney wasn't afraid to break the simple formula and they started to branch out into like, okay, we can do other things. Like we can do Tarzan, we can do Bugs Life, we can do Toy Story. And these are very different things, but it's still ours and it's still unique to us. And that is when Disney really started to dominate and they started to hit their renaissance period and they started to be on the uphill. Um, And really the first film that kicked that off was The Little Mermaid in 1989. So really we weren't even at the 90s yet. Um, But The Little Mermaid kicked that off uh, the Rescuers Down Under came out in 1990. I, t- I don't know if I've seen that. Have you? Which movie? The Rescuers Down Under. I've heard about The Rescuers, I, I, yeah, but I, I haven't know seen what, it. I know what it is. I'm familiar with it, but I don't know that I've seen it. And if I have, it hasn't been since I was a kid. Um, 1991 Beauty and the Beast came out. Fantastic. Mm. It's one of their best. It is. I, I, I think it's one of their best. Um, Aladdin came out in 1992 The Lion King came out in 94 which The Lion King as we just read a little bit ago was one of the highest grossing films of the decade so that's a pretty big deal and you know even if you look at um, you know it wasn't even just the animation studios that started to really hit their peak go back to that list of um, of the highest grossing films Disney had let's see one two three four films of the highest grossing movies in the 1990s were walt disney productions films yep so they they whatever whatever roy and the the new people that they brought in changed it worked 
they made it work. They found something that worked for them. Um, and even after The Lion King, Pocahontas came out in 1995. Uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame came out in 96. Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan. Um, I think Tarzan is the, the, the end of their renaissance period. That's typically where people leave it at. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, look at, I mean, Tarzan, Tarzan was fantastic. Tarzan is great. Yeah. Um, do you have and any And they favorites? added Tarzan straight up. Fuck out of here. Really? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's one of my favorites. That, that, I, I had a VHS of it. Phil Collins. The oh, soundtrack. Man. Phil Collins oh, soundtrack God. for that. I had a CD of that. I, we had, I remember when in my mom's car, I remember being in elementary school and listening to the Tarzan, the Phil Collins CD from Tarzan, yep. like on repeat. I, I think it broke. Like, I think it like broke in half at one point. <laughs> like it was so used. Yeah. Um, like he did a, such a great job on that. He was soundtrack. great, man. Two he worlds. Was awesome. You'll be in my heart. Just so many songs. Two Son of man. Want fantasy. Yeah. Or what so family. Call, I swear. Whatever, whatever Phil Collins for. was. He was a 90s like music god back then. Yeah, he, he was. still is now. He's still a legend, but he was a legend. Yeah. He was absolutely balling For sure. in the 90s. It, if I had to pick a top 3 of this of this renaissance period, it would probably be Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King and Tarzan. Mine would probably be Tarzan, The Lion King and uh tied between Hercules and Mulan. Mm. Yeah. Hercules is okay. I was never a big Hercules guy but i hear you and, and it's you just, know I it's think the music that gets me it's honestly that's what that's it is. fair it's the music. that's fair and you know honestly i can't i can't help but wonder if uh part of disney's success was that they released a new project almost every single year 1993 <laughs> is the only year without a disney animation film I mean, you have 90, 91, 92, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, and 99. All new films every single year, except for You realize, You realize that's exactly what uh, Disney is doing with Marvel? If it you is. think about it, 20 years later, we're going to call is. it some Marvel renaissance. Holy crap, we are. You're right. Yep, yep. because this, that, this particular decade yeah. of the 2010s, like it was just all marvel mm-hmm. marvel movie every single year this is the i think 2020 was the first year where they didn't have any yeah well and that was really because of covid because black widow yeah, was but i mean about that if you think about it, though it's it's pretty much um exact same and that's that i mean that's great disney disney has a formula sure. that just works they do and mm-hmm. and they're really they're very good at what they do um so before we wrap up here, I, I wanted to be sure to talk about um, some other films. You know, if you look at action films, there were some spectacular action films in the 90s, too, mm-hmm. with some spectacular action actors. You had Willis, you had Schwarzenegger, you had Stallone. Um, j- just so many really great films that are, are actors, action hero actors that were in Which, the 90s. Again, I saw in your list, guess who's in the action industry as well? Fucking Will Smith. Will Smith yep. was, he was living in the 90s. Yep, he was. He was in comedy. He was in action. He was in dramas. My man, like mm-hmm. straight up. Will Smith, my man. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, you're talking about Will Smith, enemy of the state. Yeah. That a is one. a fan. Let me tell you. Movie. It goes fantastic back to. movie. It goes back to the idea of like the 1990s, like the movies in the 1990s were very uh, centered around 
real world problems. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, like the movies that back then, they weren't like depicting things in the past or possibly in the future. Obviously there were, but most of the movies in the nineties were depicting, it was just basically mirroring what the world was at that time. Right. Which again, every decades can do that, but the nineties really did a good job yeah. in depicting what the world was at, at the time. Yeah. Um, and I swear we're going to do an episode on this sequels that are better than the original T2 in my mind. I would much rather watch T2 over T1. I really would. I think it's the better movie. Yeah, because the storyline's much more complex. Terminator 1 is pretty much a scary movie. It's more, yeah, think about it, it. it kind of is. There's there's like an ongoing like argument in the horror community on whether the Terminator is actually a horror movie or not. Um, it's the same premise as like Michael Myers, except you know this man is super, super yeah, human. Except he's a robot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love T2. I, I actually haven't watched that. That would be another. See, I, I keep coming up with all these commentary things that we can do and all these different ideas. Um, mm-hmm. The Terminator movies would be another great one. That'd be yeah, fun. Yeah, for sure. Uh, T2 was really great. Um, you know, Stallone had some phenomenal movies too. Look at Demolition Man. Look at Rambo uh you know it, it just really the 90s was a big era the 80s and the 90s were a big era for those action hero stars um because they were just i mean those movies were just like it was just like escape from a reality because you know the was. 80s and the 90s were a troubled time let me all say that and like uh they were changing times they were changing times and like I, people just wanted to escape the world that they were living in now and they can go to the movies it was it was the the 80 the 70s 80s and 90s were decades where people wanted to go see the movies it wasn't like for sure a high class thing you know what i mean for sure yeah before then it was like high class like suit and tie just to go watch this movie now it's like it's just like a, a weekend friday thing it's like something we'd love we just want to like move away from what's been going on throughout the week and just sit down, enjoy a, a overpriced popcorn and soda and just enjoy a movie for like a couple hours. Right. And that's um, what these action movies were there for. Just yeah, escape from yeah, reality. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you had Batman Returns. You had Batman and Robin. There were a lot of really good Batman films in the 90s too. Uh, we Did Did we get Bat Nibbles in the 90s? We did. Was Batman Forever 90s? Yep. Yeah, I think so. So we uh we had bat nipples in the 90s. That we was did. introduced. <laughs> introduced. Yeah. Uh Demolition Man, that's another really great Schwarz uh not Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Stallone film. Yeah. Have you seen Waterworld with Kevin Costner? Mm-mm. That's a really nice one too. I think my mom showed me Waterworld actually. So the basically the premise of Waterworld is, you know, we all know the ice caps are melting. Waterworld is basically what's going to happen when they all melt and it basically covers up most of all of the continents so like new york city is underwater it's just really cool and it's like this dystopian it's basically mad max on the ocean that's kind of like what it is Um, okay and and that's a really really fun just kind of wild and out there movie too um the fifth element came out in 1997 with milia jovovich oh that's really a, yeah yeah that's a good one too wow. that's kind of a that's another strange futuristic dystopian 
yeah um, and like, chris it's tucker just, it's kind of yeah chris tucker's chris in that tucker. movie too yeah <laughs> i love them dude movie, chris man. tucker man chris tucker in the 90s he was that's he was, another he was really on the rise. great face he was he was, he was on he was the on rise, rise during that time absolutely um yeah the, there were a lot of really cool action films in the 90s and i know there's there's a ton that we didn't even that we're not even going to get to that we don't we have no hope of getting to but Pretty uh much, you yeah. know hopefully we'll get to talk about these just a, a little bit more um and then of course the comedies there were amazing comedies in the 1990s mm-hmm. yeah look at ace ventura yeah the mask finkel is einhorn <laughs> Einhorn oh, is Finkel. <laughs> Finkel. <laughs> Say hello Jim to Carrey. Mr. Wing, 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 wing. <laughs> Jim Carrey was he was he was getting some solid roles over there. I'm not gonna he was, lie. man. I he think was. Out, of, out of all the Jim Carrey movies, The Mask is probably one of my favorite. There's the a Mask lot is of, great. There's a lot of quoted lines I could say from there. I, I'm actually very hyped that they're doing an Ace Ventura three. That, I'm excited to we, see what they're gonna do. We need that now. It could suck. I don't know, but I think Jim Carrey is going to, it, it's just going to be fun to watch Jim Carrey play that character again. Exactly. Because it's the same it's thing is so like, wild and so crazy. Boy, let me just say it. It's, I could just name a couple Jim Carrey movies. Larry the Cable Guy, Liar Liar. Yes. Uh, was Larry Mask. the Cable Guy 90s? Yeah. That's true. I'm sure it was. God, he's another, he's like another, like a Will Smith, man. Just like dominated the 90s dominated adam sandler too he was an adam sandler adam sandler was the he i would think that was the start of the happy madison production see this is great but like we also like we need to do episodes on individual things because there are so many things that i feel like we're breezing by you know that we could just like talk so in depth about Mm -hmm. um but there were there were so many actors that were just killing it in the 90s um there was one that really that I loved in the '90s. It was it was in my top tens. Uh, it was uh, my cousin Vinny. Was Steve? It's my Steve cousin Vinny is good. No, um, I'm not sure what his name is, but Joe I Pesci. Get it. Joe, Joe Pesci. Pesci. Yeah, yep. Joe Pesci. Joe well, speaking Pesci, of Joe Pesci, you also had Home Alone one and two. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that again, that's another one. Sequels that are better than the original. Home Alone two is better than Home Alone one. Really. It is. I really think it is. Do you? That's a topic we could talk about. I would. I would say. Uh, I would say the what's the one that was in New York? Yeah, no, that was two. There well, oh, that was there two? was there was a three, but it wasn't. There wasn't a three. Oh, okay. <laughs> there might as well have not been a three, but yeah, that was two. <laughs> one was one was when he's just home alone. Yeah. Um, two is lost in New York. Yeah, gotcha. when he runs into Tim Curry and Cedric. Come along, Cedric. <laughs> yeah, duh. I, I agree with you. Home Alone 2 is Dude, I love in Home Alone 2 when, when uh, he's got the whole setup in the shower and they run in there and he's like, I know you're in here. And he's like, get down on your knees and tell me you love me. Will yeah. always looks at me and he goes, you've been smooching with everybody. <laughs> like, a, like the 90s are just filled with a lot of like one-liners that everyone just says nowadays yeah that, that people know man i have the uh i have a shirt with the the home alone the whole um i, I think what, what's the movie called angels with filthy souls 
that's it. it's like the, the that's what the movie in the in home alone that's what the the movie he watches with the gangster guy um oh, it's it called is. angel wow. it's called angels with filthy souls i have a shirt that has like it's like a vhs tape and it says angels with filthy filthy souls written on it and it says the whole uh what did you say in the first one about um you got 10 seconds to get your lousy no good lion carcass yeah. out that door or whatever yeah but yeah that's cool man that that's a great movie and joe pesci and daniel stern really brought that movie to life i mean obviously macaulay culkin was a fantastic childhood star mm-hmm. but i i just he's another you, actor that kind of fell off too yeah and he's on the rise again he just had a baby with somebody yeah. um he he's i think he's cleaned himself up a little bit he was he looked rough there for a while man macaulay, macaulay culkin looked rough mm-hmm. for a little while but he looks really good now like i gotta say he looks really well put together um and he looks you know he looks like he's back uh but you know it do you think if you'd have put any other actors in joe pesci and daniel stern's place as the wet bandits do you think it would have been as impactful maybe i think it it would depend man it would yeah joe pesci is just a really like joe pesci is funny he's a funny character and well and the two also a top-notch actor yeah, the two of them had such chemistry on screen too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Come on, Marv! <laughs> like it was, it was great. Um, kindergarten Cop with <laughs> with Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Yeah, dude, Kindergarten <laughs> yeah. Cop is awesome. Um, I love that it was basically it was like a time where like a lot of actors were just like taking roles. They were yeah. just taking roles. Well, and it, they were hidden. Kindergarten Cop is fun because it's wholesome but it also kind of has those action elements to it though too Mm -hmm. like especially you know you get to see schwarzenegger being a teacher and being like you know unsure boys have penis girls (laughs) you know what i mean just like seeing him in that like awkward conversations with the kids and being like like i remember when the one kid's crying or whatever and he goes to pick him up and he's like it's like like he doesn't even know like what to do with himself or how to carry himself yeah um he's that they reminds me so that's uh arnold schwarzenegger did another movie that's kind of the same premise it was uh jingle all the way have you seen that it, one yeah it's been years since i've seen Yo, it. jingle all the way was like one of my favorite 90s movies i hope it's in the 90s if i'm not mistaken but uh it was basically just him being a tough like you know hard, like a father like a hard father to like you know be there for his family yeah and for christmas his son wishes for a turbo man which is like a famous superhero in that movie mm. so his entire time he's trying to find the turbo man action figure yeah and it's yeah i remember that i yeah. remember that it's great for there's, sure there's one 90s movie that i think everyone it's like a cult classic because it's so underrated you probably haven't seen it uh the big lebowski yeah you seen it? I it's been again. It's been ages, but yeah, I've yeah, seen it. with uh, Jeff Bridges, uh, yep. John Goodman, Steve Buscemi, and uh, yep. John John Turturro. Oh my God, that's that's a funny cast, man. For so sure, many one liners. Sure. It's like that's like I don't know, man. He's like I can't I can't imagine another movie that was so <laughs> chill, but still so fucking funny. And uh, all that, and all of it happens over a fucking rug. It's just like one of those movies. You know what I mean? Definitely yeah. a stoner movie. 
I can I can I can wholeheartedly agree that it's a stoner movie. So like yeah, there's a lot that movie, The Big Lebowski, I could watch almost on repeat as well and just be completely fine with it. For sure. You know what's another really good comedy the nineties is the birdcage with Robin Williams and uh oh what's his name? Um that's I I can never remember his name. Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane. That's I love the birdcage, man. Fussy, 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 fussy. Masha Graham, Masha Graham. Hey, yeah. Hank Azara, who uh, who plays um, Agador Spartacus, he never wears shoes. So, so when he starts trying to walk in shoes, he doesn't like he doesn't know how. He's not used to it. So he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And he's got like a tray of food, and all the food's falling off. Or when <laughs> when they're when he's in the kitchen, and they realize that it's like men like screw at each other like on the plates or whatever and yeah. they, they look at the plates and they're like is this african <laughs> they're like wondering what it is and robin williams was like you put the dick plates out or whatever he says and he was like all you made was soup all you're telling me all we have is soup and robin williams grabs the pot and he's like give it to me and hank is goes but I have shrimps. Robin Williams goes, fuck the shrimp. And he like just walked in. I mean, dude, that movie is, I laugh my ass off when I watch The Birdcage. It's hilarious. It is such, hilarious. Such a funny actor Robin Williams was. Oh man, he, it is a shame. I remember where I was when, you, I was with yeah. you. We were no, together. We were All of us. It, so guys, listen to this. We were all together we were when all, we found that out. We were in marching band. We were in we were rehearsal. In we were sta- We had to stand at attention because we were waiting for noon. It was a while our- ago now. Yeah. From- Man, that was a while ago. Let me tell you how impactful shame. his death was during that time. Because I remember we were standing at attention. Our band director was waiting to give us instructions. And then you remember uh, Gary, Gary Racy. Shout out, Gary. He, he was on his phone and he literally just, I saw him react. Like he had his phone on. He literally just dropped it, and then he said, I'm upset right now. I am done. I cannot do this anymore. And Mr. Barton was like, are you okay, Gary? What's going on? And then and then Gary was like, Robin Williams died. I'm done for the day. And literally, you remember this? Mr. Barton was like- I, Vaguely, maybe? Yeah, Mr. Barton. I remember Mr. Barton literally said, um, okay, guys, we're going to take five because he had a double check as well. Yeah, well, that's a big deal, man. That's yeah. a, that's a big part of everybody's childhood, and I mean that Robin that was Williams a that was a big deal. Millions. He did. That was a that was a very big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, but you know, even moving on from that, look at a uh, look at the Sandlot. The Sandlot came out in nineteen ninety three. I didn't know this, but no, not the Sandlot. Rookie of the Year. Mm, have you seen okay. Rookie of the Year? I have not. I've seen Rookie of the Year because we had it on VHS. It's a baseball movie. Jeff watched Rookie of the Year because Jeff, my my brother Jeff was a huge baseball person when he was a kid. I mean, like walked around in baseball clothing and uh, he, we watched Rookie of the Year so many times. I could probably still quote every line of that movie. It's so, that's a very nostalgic thing for me. Gary Busey before he became Gary Busey (laughs) before he (laughs) Gary Busey. Oh my god! I can't. 
came out of nowhere. Well, before he had like cocaine coming out of his eyeballs. Okay, uh, fair. He 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 was the um he was a pitching coach, and uh, th- this kid <laughs> the kid was actually <laughs> he used to. <laughs> Of Gary Busey. <laughs> you look at oh Gary Busey, dude. He, yeah, it's just... he. He's an. Oh my God, I'm crying. He's another oh. one like Randy Quaid, dude. I don't know what the Gary Busey was. I, he was fine. Like in that movie, he literally looks Oof. like a different human being from how he looks. <laughs> it's. I'm sorry, guys, but if. I'm sure there's some. I'm sure there's some obviously like medically wrong with Gary Busey. Yeah, he's first... he's stoned. He's he's too many pills, man. I think Gary Busey has just. I, and I don't know. I I could be wrong, but I think he was on drugs. <laughs> I think he was on drugs for quite a while. I mean, look. I, look, I mean, look at no, that. You, if you if yeah. you swipe, look swipe back the. The one, it's the one that's like the red backdrop. That's the one I saw. That one's just. I don't know, man. I I, I love him. Oh. I mean, he's he's awesome. But uh, I yeah, I think I think he had some issues for a while. Definitely because he. Uh, I'm I'm sure. I, I don't know. <laughs> oh my god, oh, that was funny. But Gary anyways, Busey. Gary Busey plays a pitching coach, um, for the Yankees and. In, in rookie of the year great he plays it great he plays a great role and uh this kid this little kid breaks his arm and for whatever reason when his arm grows back he can pitch like 105 miles an hour like it, it like it, it changes the way his arm he his arm is like a spring motion kind of thing so when he pitches um it, it's amazing he pitches better than you know most major major league players and the Yankees draft this little kid to play for them. And, uh, you know, he befriends Gary Busey. It's a really cool movie. It's a really good 90s teen adventure movie kind of thing. It's really, really cool. And it's funny because uh, what's it? Uh, Daniel Stern, who mm-hmm. played Marv in Home Alone, di- wrote and directed Rookie of the Year. And I did not know that until I was prepping for this. He wrote Rookie of the Year, Holy which cow. is pretty cool. And he yeah. does have, who does, Dan- um, who does Daniel Stern play? He might play another one of the coaches. I think he I'm plays another one of the coaches, but he- I mean, uh, I haven't seen the movie. I know. He, I, I think he plays another coach, but yeah. And he he plays another, He he's kind of like wild and crazy. Like he wears- like these big round glasses and like when they're like trying to train and stuff he's like fire in the hole like just wild and crazy i just but, looked uh, up, i just looked up daniel stern rookie of the year and i just got a gif or a gif or a gif of uh, him at bat and it says let the big dog eat yep let the big uh, dog eat yep yeah. he always has something like real funny to say <laughs> with the uh um so many that, shitty one-liners in the 90s <laughs> it really was though oh, God. there really was yeah man rookie of the year it, it was just like i said such a great kid adventure movie and you know even if you look at the sandlot man the sandlot is another one that we didn't even really get to touch on but that's that kid and you know the 80s did this really well 
but that kid um coming of age adventure you know goonies style thing where you Mm -hmm. you get to kind of relive what it's like to be a kid again or even if you didn't live in that era you get to kind of live vicariously through kids in those movies just because of how it was like the clicks and the packs of kids that stuck together um and you know the sandlot rookie of the year home alone things like that just it it really it it puts you in that nostalgic mood you know Mm -hmm. it it makes you feel nostalgic i think whenever when whenever you talk about like rookie of the year and the sandlot sandlot was like my baseball movie that i loved yeah and that's pretty much what got me into like I'm not I'm not into baseball, but like I like baseball because of the sandlot. Right. I love my chucks because of the sandlot. Like I'm sure everybody started wearing everyone started wearing chucks again because of the sandlot. Right. And I'm almost certain that's the case. But yeah, like I mean, pretty much to just wrap this up, man. Like the 70s, 80s had good things for they had good movies that we love to watch, but I think the 90s were just like near and dear to our hearts because we grew up with them. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. And uh, again, it, and I, you can speak this about the 80s and the 90s. There was something about it that felt nostalgic, even if you were not alive in either one of those eras, you know, and that even that could even goes for 80s horror. You know, I, I, I don't know. It, there's just there's something about it that it, it feels it drags you into that decade. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that's the thing that I think I've enjoyed the most about doing this series is talking about these different movies and breaking them down because it It really, it it, takes us back to it. It does. It takes you back and it, it, it kind of gives you that nostalgic feeling of like what it would be like to live in the eighties with these teen coming of age stories, you know, what it would be like to live in the nineties with movies like the Sandlot, Um, you know, and and there's just such a, uh, and of course we have our own nostalgic, um, memories from you know the the disney renaissance era and uh mm-hmm. you know like i'm so into 80s horror and things like that so this decade series has been a whole lot of fun and i am really glad that you came up with it i think where uh i came up with this idea is like have you seen the vhs miniseries where it talks about the 60s 70s and 80s it goes through the no. whole decades uh-uh. so i think I, either it's mtv or vh1 but they did like a series it's like a 60 minute um video of just like talking everything about each decade and i thought it was so interesting because it pretty much focused every everything that happened in that decade whether it's good bad mu- music art uh drama everything it talked everything about that decade mm-hmm. and i always thought that was so interesting because i don't know like when it comes to like the decades like each decade has so much to give and so much that we learned that we use now because like it's it's so funny because whenever you look at the 70s you can say oh shit like this is something that happened that started at this point and we still use it to this day right and uh, i think whenever you whenever i'm i was thinking about this with the podcast i was like the movie industries it's really like skyrocketed since the 70s i think the 70s whenever it started kicking off like a lot of things were happening a lot of things were changing the movie Mm -hmm. industries were changing I think at that point, like the movie industries were just going through a whole evolutionary period throughout the next couple of decades. So I knew that each decade had its own thing to offer and I thought it would mm-hmm. be interesting for us to do it. So, and I'm, I'm glad we did it. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. And th- you know, the other interesting thing about that is that, 
you know, not only was the film industry changing, but you also had, um, I mean, life was changing. Pop culture was changing. Mm -hmm. Style was changing. Music was changing. I mean, and, you know, you can look at it large scale from the 70s to, you know, the 70s through the 90s and then the 2000s through where we are right now. But even from decade to decade, from the 70s to the 80s, from the 80s to the 90s, to the 90s to the 2000s, from the 2000s to the 2010s, there were still these, um, it was, it's like an evolution of pop culture and how things have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these movies reflect that. And, you know, like we said a few minutes ago, it, it's a trip down memory lane with any of these. And that's, yeah. I think that's why when you watch any of these movies from especially one of these three decades, that we're already so prominently changing the world mm-hmm. you get that nostalgic feeling and it takes you back and you kind of like i said you live vicariously through those characters but i am really glad that we talked about this guys thank you so so much for listening and taking the time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us this has been the final chapter in our decade series if you did not watch uh let's talk the 1970s and the 1980s please go back and rewatch those i will link those down below um please if you haven't already follow us on twitter and instagram at we talk the movies we post a whole bunch of different updates and new content there all the time um new episodes of let's talk movies drop on monday evenings at 8 p.m on our youtube channel on spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts and the same goes for let's talk movie news which drops friday nights at 8 p.m eastern standard time where we are just talking the week's movie news and stuff out of the entertainment world again thank you so much for listening hope everything is good in your world we'll talk to you soon peace peace